Okay. So here's the big idea. We're in, a, we're in a whole marriage series called Tighten the Knot. The whole goal of this series is that when you are in a relationship and you don't know why it just keeps not working, you don't know why you're in this loop and there's, there, there's these moments of like frustration and hurt and not being heard and you have all this like, why am I married to this person? And it's all happening and you feel stuck in marriage Uh, this whole sermon series is to come into that living room and go, let's see with God what's going on. See, one of the premises of scripture uh, is that when you begin to follow Jesus, when you put your faith in him, you get a new heart, new life, new desires. And when you have a new connection with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are given from God a new identity, a new way of seeing, a new way of connecting with others in relationship. And so how you live out your new connection with God, your new identity changes in your relationship. So I'm gonna put it this way. Uh, Paul, uh, in scripture, his beginning point for putting on love, his, his beginning point to how do we become like Jesus in our relationships is not, hey, begin with your trauma, let's get that healed. It's always put on who you are. It begins with receiving identity, receiving love, companionship with him. And as his healing presence is beginning to make you who you are and who you're new, you love with his love. You love with a new connection. You love as adopted. You love from his love and who he says you are. And that has to be uh, the key to helping marriages that are really hurting. So, so let me show, like in the Bible, he begins as beloved children love this way. As Christ loved the church, he tells husbands, as, you know, holy and beloved. He, he's saying, because you're this in your connection with God, you have an, the power to love with your connection with others. So the question is, hey, my marriage is 911. I think I love God. What's going on? That's what I want to talk about. So, so. So my whole premise is that instead of getting lost in the, the, you know, the, the really important weeds that, that matter in your relationship, if you feel lost, your first primary question is, where is my connection not with, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? So today we're going to talk about Father, our connection with God as Father. Okay, so that's where we're going to go. Um, here, here's what I want to do. We're going to start in 1 Peter 3, and I want to talk to you about a culture of honor. And it might feel like, where are we going with this? But just go with me. So 1 Peter 3, this whole chapter is backed up by uh, what he's already saying about being subject and having honor. So the first line in chapter 3, which talks to wives, is this word likewise. So we need to know likewise what? Well, like, what are you referring to? Well, the first thing he's referring to is this idea of honor in the kingdom. So as new believers, we have a new way of bringing honor We have a new heart of submission that isn't bound or oppressive, but is life and freeing. So let let me just show you some passages so you can see what I'm saying here. So in 1 Peter 2.13, he says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor, supreme, or on and on. What you can do is you can turn that around and say, because of the Lord, there's an honoring choice. There's a, I'm going to be underneath. And in verse 17, he says, Honor everyone, like everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. 
honor the emperor, right? We know from the commandments, honor thy father and mother, honor in the kingdom. In the verse 18, he says, servants be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust for this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. And then he gives the example of Jesus on the cross. And, and, on, and, and in that example, he shows how honor was working as Jesus was entrusting himself to the Father. So just with this kind of honor in the kingdom mindset, look at how he brings it into marriage relationships. So he says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word, how? By the conduct of their wives, honor. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, when they see your love is on. Do not let your adorning be the external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which when God sees it is very precious, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, same principle of culture of honor, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. I, so, so we're in a marriage series and I want you to uh, hone in on one idea from this text. Submission requires no conditions. Honor doesn't have conditions in the kingdom. It doesn't say honor the emperor, emperor if he, he's good and can lead well and it doesn't say honor everyone if they agree with, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say honor your wife if she's, she responds. No, no, honoring is this entrusting act. It, it's, it's interesting in every relationship in the kingdom, when you become new, when you have the father's heart, honor isn't something I demand or even uh, earn. Honor is something I give away. See, in the kingdom, unconditional love is what we bring into relationships. It's what we bring with us. Unconditional honor is what we carry. We don't expect it. Jesus said, love our enemies is the way of Jesus. So let me say it this way. If we think honor is something we get, we don't understand honor in the kingdom. Honor isn't something we demand. Honor in the kingdom isn't something earned. Honor is something that you give, you show. Husband, show honor as you entrust your connection with the Father. Let, let me just say it this way. If healthy marriages happen when you have healthy people, the foundation of healthy relationships is, is, is an agreement than to practice unconditional love. It's not conditioned. If you wanna have a healthy relationship, you, you begin with, I'm going to have an unconditional love. Now there's something else connected to honor here that, that I, I need to just bring in from a different angle. So my first uh, few years of, of being married to Nikki was 
had some really good moments, uh, but it was really hard. It was, it was, it was really hard. <laughs> um, it was, we would, we would every probably two or three days be in this loop where we would be fighting and I would be taking things so painful and we would, I'd have all this internal war and, and um, we, we just fought a lot. We were just, re, we, we, retre- I retreated a lot. And uh, man, this, it, this, it got so bad that at one point I even said to her, are you even a Christian? Like, okay, just marriage one-on-one if you're married and you're Christians. The, the reason I said, are you even a Christian is because she didn't lift her hands in worship. Okay, that's bad. That's bad, okay? You can turn to your neighbor and say, that's pretty bad. Um, it, it was rough. And so then, man, I, I, I didn't know what to do and I was always in this ang- anxious place and, and I would come home and she wasn't happy and I, you know, I didn't know what to do. And so I was a youth pastor at the time. We moved to Indiana. So I went up into the youth room and uh, I was so desperate to hear God. I was like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. We're all stuck. And, and um, I remember just praying. And there was a moment where I sensed him say to me, um, James. And I, I remember just feeling my heart just go. Dun, 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 dun. And he said this thing, why are you trying to change her to be like you? What if you loved her for who she is? It was so simple, but when he spoke it, it came in. And it really shifted how I saw her. Um, I, I didn't realize that I only honored Nikki when I felt like she was responding and acting like me. I didn't realize that like um, I, I was looking at her and, and I was giving myself permission to love only what was me and her. And so true honor in the kingdom, true honor in your, in your marriage looks at the other spouse and it, and it says, you are not me and I am not you. You get to be you and I get to be me in this relationship. True honor looks at the other and says, you are not me and I am not you, you get to be you, and I get to be me in this relationship. See, the reason I was always saying stuff like I was and making her feel bad for being her was because I honored people who actually reminded me of people I value and honor. So let me, like, you guys know this, but true or false, uh, the people you value most are just different versions of you. True or false? True, right? Most of us, when you look for you in other people, you go, mm, that's good. I like that. So let me say this. If healthy marriages happen when you have healthy people, the second foundation to healthy relationships that need to be practiced is unconditional love. So you have to have a commitment. You get to be you, and I'm, I, and I'm, I'm not you. You get, you get to be you. I get to be me in this relationship and I'm gonna choose to unconditionally love you. And the second thing you have to have in a healthy relationship is an unconditional acceptance. Let me put it this way. If, if so much of your bitterness in your marriage stems from there's so much in you that's just not me. It, it's, it's more likely, it's not just an ego or, or pride. And if it is pride, you know, that's, that's too easy. You get off too easy if you're like, oh, it's just, maybe it's pride. 
No, um, and, and if it is, it's a sin you gotta repent of, but it's deeper than that. So here, here's where I'm going in this message, okay? Um, and, and how I'm making the connection to the Father. Oftentimes, that honor, I want you to honor me, comes from a place of someone didn't value me. There, there was something I didn't receive, and I know I deserve it, and I'm worth it, and, and you need to see what I value. And you need to see this how I see it. And um, you are valuable. See, see, here's the tricky thing, because that kind of thinking is true. The, the, the difference is, and this is where, don't lose, don't lose me here, where you receive that identity changes everything. What I'm saying to you is that where you receive identity changes how you live in your relationship. So, so let me just shift gears hard for a second. Um, in our relationships in life, but as we study scripture, the Father, so Father God um, meets three key needs in your life. Here's they are, provision, protection, and identity. So the three key needs that are met through the Father are provision, protection, and identity. Okay, so let me just show you this in the Bible. So the, the father spoke over Jesus when he came out of the water. I didn't do any ministry yet. And do you remember what the father spoke over Jesus? You are my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. The father speaks identity over the son. In the Sermon on the Mount, he, he speaks of provision he says, my heavenly father knows your needs. And then in Luke 12, he says this, what is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Don't be afraid. Provision, provision protection, you're, you're of more valuable. Uh, the Lord's prayer, give us today our daily bread, our father. It's provision. One of the strongest moments in Jesus' life is when he loves and honors and shares strength with his disciples. Now watch this. Disciples that are about to leave him. And where does he get this strength? Where does he get this ability to keep his love on and show honor? Look at, look at John 16, verse 32. It'll be on the screen. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. See, let me say this. When a father fails to let his children know who they are or how he sees them and, and, and how he loves them through his eyes, I, if that never comes from a father, identities can be confusing, especially if your father made you work for love or was just so busy. It's, it's not that he didn't share that he loved you. It's just he wasn't around enough. And so the result is honor isn't something that you received. It's something you had to earn. It had conditions. Your, your father honored you when you were doing the things that he felt like he loved about himself. And then you didn't feel loved. And, and, and you know, we, we, we're getting into, well, that's maybe a father wound, but, but just stay with me. Either, okay, so either your dad wasn't there or he was, or even he had the best dad in the world because it's not a, you know, bash dad sermon. It's not my heart. Just stay with me here. E even if he was just all over the world or, or he was all over you and it was oppressive, either way, if you chose to suppress or run from that and not come to Father God, 
for the replacement and the healing. What you're going to find in your soul that you'll bring into every relationship is an orphan mindset. And if you have an orphan mindset, especially if you grew up in an environment where you experienced consistent punishment or neglect, like abusive neglect, in response to, your, to sharing your needs, the damage is big. I mean, that's just trauma. Um, and, and if that was you, not only will you have an orphan mindset, but you have to have now a survivor mindset. And a survivor, deep down, you, you, you don't expect to be loved because after years of years of abandonment, neglect, or abuse, you actually don't believe deep down you're worthy of it. And what orphans don't see, because deep down they don't feel like anyone's beloved, it's, it's they, deep down they know it's never been safe to trust. And so they, they don't know it's happening, but they will come in and they will just know it's never gonna be safe to trust. I can't tell you me. They, they don't see how rarely they actually try to meet anyone else's needs. They, they, they are always trying to take. And, and so honor has no place in a, in a marriage where, where that wound is just powerfully there. So let, let me just pause for a moment and just say, in an honoring relationship, each person understands something really, really important. We're gonna hit this more next week. But each person in an honoring relationship understands I'm responsible to know what's going on inside of me and communicate it to you. That's huge. This is why we're, I'm doing this series with the Father, Son, and Spirit. So I'm responsible to know what's going on inside of me and communicate it to you. I do not expect you to know it, nor will I allow you to assume that you know it, and I will not make assumptions about what is going on inside of you. This is taking responsibility. You don't shove feelings down. You enter in and you go, I got it. I need to get with the Father. There's a connection breakdown here. Okay, so I just... With, with those building blocks, I want you just to imagine, you know, and some of you this might hit home because, you know, I borrowed this from a lot of counseling, including myself and others, but here's a typical argument, okay? Here's a typical argument. Um, you know, you wake up Saturday morning and you're, you're feeling a lot, but you're ready to just, okay? And, and then you, you walk into the kitchen and you notice your spouse uh, doesn't look, you know, you know, happy. They have that face on where it's like, whoa, Something's off, right? And so you come in and you just go, hey, babe, uh, is everything okay? Like, you just seem a little off, you know? And, you know, and uh, she looks at you and is like, Do, does everything look okay to you? No, no, no. I, you know what? Like you care. You don't even care. You're right. You know, it's nothing. It's fine. It's nothing. It's fine. I'll be fine. Okay, um, and then you're like, okay, okay, you know what? You're like, James, you know what? I got to keep my love on. Um, it's getting dark right now. Oh, now it's we're light again. So now you're thinking, uh, I can help her. I'll bring some solutions. So you say, is, this your, is it your kids? Is it the kids right now? You want me to go down? No, it's not the kids. Oh, I know who it is. It's your mom. What? It's your mom? Seriously? It's you. Don't you see you're the problem, right? You come home and you just ignore everything that I've done. You don't even say hi. You just, you just go on your phone and all you do is you just show me 
Love when you just, you want something and then you actually don't care about me. All you care about is yourself. And I'm just, I'm done. I'm done with your lack of love. You don't notice me. And it's, I'm just, I'm done with it. Right? And, and in that moment, you know, the, the, the husband's like, oh man. And he's thinking, I had all their plans for today. And how selfish it, and then all of a sudden it just starts rolling, right? Um, and, and here's the thing about that communication. You haven't actually said anything about yourself. Just, just many things that are wrong with the other person. And then, you know, then the other spouse is like, well, you know what? You don't support anything. You, you just, you know, you're, you always tell me what's wrong with me and you don't ever ask me how I'm doing. You don't ask me how my day was going. And all you do is you expect when I come home that I'm going to do that for you and and oh, here we go again. It's my fault. Yeah, it's your fault. Yeah, it's not what I'm saying. Oh, then it's your fault. And the, you know, the kid's coming right in the middle of that one and they're like, can I get cereal? And you're like, go play your video games. And you, you, you send them away. And then it's just this awkward, like silent moment. And you just, and then it comes out, man. Some of you go too far, but then it comes out. And you're like, you know what, honey? If you, if you were just more like such and such as husband and you honored me and you, and you just cherished me and, they, and, and you know, he takes her out. And, and then it's all, okay, you want to do that? Yeah? yeah? Did you notice how she listens to him? You want, and it's just this. Okay, so what's happening in that moment? By the way, Right in that moment, you have an opportunity to say, today's the day I don't get to be a victim anymore. Because here's the thing about relationships. If you have a bad guy, if your spouse is the bad guy, you only have two choices. You can be a victim, and it's all the time. You just complain, complain, or the retreat, I'll make you feel pain. I'll, I'll pull away. You're a victim. Or you're the rescuer. Both of those are telling you something. You're you're an orphan. You're not speaking from adoption. What I'm saying to you in this marriage series is that in that moment, connection is off. There's a connection of the father that is that is not present. It's missing. See, honor changes when, when I put on, I'm committed to you. Um, when you are in a battle and you're only thinking who's going to win, who's going to see, and you're just throwing hurts, you're speaking from a place of broken identity not feeling protected, and not feeling provided for. I, I, I want you to hear a conversation and then we'll talk about how do we do this. So, um, well, let me show you this from the scripture. So in Romans 8, it says this, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So imagine if someone, one of the, you know, a spouse comes in and they believe in their connection, who they are, who, 
who is showing them who they are is on. And they're coming as adopted, not an orphan. An adopted person could sound like this. Okay, I'm not telling you how to speak, but it could go something like this. Um, hey, uh, su- hey, sweetie, something seems off. Is everything okay? So, so someone with an ad- with, who's believing I'm adopted and loved, whose ha- all connections are on with Father, could say something like this. You know what? I appreciate you asking. I just, I feel hurt. And I'm feeling hurt about our lack of connection and I've been swimming in, in these lies for the last few days and I've been connecting with the Father on them. But I want you to hear that I am hurting. Do, do you want me to share more with you? See, the difference is the invitation to understand, even if, even if it's not met with, yes, I do want to know more, is you're taking responsibility for you. And you're sharing what's going on with you from a place of trust, from a place of I am loved and I'm valuable and I want you to hear how I'm experiencing you. And you're you're inviting them in. The adopted mindset is I'm able to share and demonstrate trust regardless of your actions. Okay, so um, let let me pull all of these big blocks into together, okay? So honor, let me just say this, allows each person in a relationship to keep his or her levels of value for and faith in the other on, even when they demonstrate how different they are from us. You get to be you, I get to be me. Honor is something we show by being able to say, this is how I'm experiencing you. Would you like to learn more? Because what's underneath honor, remember, is a commitment to love and accept one another unconditionally as Jesus loves us. Okay, so, so James, this all sounds like really uh, interesting and up here, and, but what do I do? What do we do? I know I want repairing. What do I do? I know I got some daddy things. I know I got all we all do. Okay, okay, okay. So what do we do? Here's the principle. If you're wrestling with issues of identity, protection, and provision, and it's coming out because you feel like an orphan in your marriage, you feel like I'm not loved, I'm not worth it, I'm not da, da, da. The father, your heavenly father, knows where you're not receiving or being changed by him. So the key is we want to see where he wants to heal because he wants and knows what lies need to be identified and disempowered by God the Father. And so some of us, you know, will need some counseling. Some of us, if this is the first time you're hearing this and yet you know you hear your father and you hear all these things in your mind and, you're, and you can tell you bring a lot of like, like hurt and, and you feel and unlove all the time in all your relationships, you, you might need counseling. And that's actually a really good grace just to see some of this. Others of you, you might just need to go for a few walks with a trusted friend where you go, okay, um, man, I'm learning some things. Can I run these by you? How does this sit with you? Others of you, you you've been listening to lies your whole life and there's some spiritual warfare that you have to recognize, is this me? Is this how the father would say? Am I, am I believing what he says about me, who he says I am? And if I can read it, but I've never felt it, then I need some healing from him. 
So how do we get this healing? Because this would really impact you if you walked into a relationship knowing some of these things. Um, so what do we do, okay? Some of these will be on the screen, but here's the big secret. You gotta talk to them. You got to talk to the Father. You gotta come into the Father's presence and say, I'm not gonna be a victim. My relationship with you is too important to me. And then begin with thankfulness. God, thank you that I'm seeing that a lot of my needs I have right now, I never got when I was young. There were certain needs of provision and protection I never received. And I, I had to either build my own identity or I, but I, I don't think I fully received who you say I am. And I just needed to see that. So I want to thank you. I just needed to see that because, because I'm not going to live another day until this part of my relationship with you is healing. I'm going to keep doing this with you. And so what this means is you have to get some time with your father. And, and this is going to be really key. You need to ask him, Questions like, you know, what did I not receive from my earthly father? And, and you might have an answer, but I, but I want you to actually give the Lord space to answer it for you. And then, and then here's the big question. If you, if, you, if you take anything from this sermon, when you're in that uh, zone, this is the biggest question you, you need to ask. Okay, so, so let, imagine yourself back into that situation. One of you says, okay, you know what, honey? I'm really, really sorry. I, I wanna be here with you. I actually do, uh, I wanna hear you and I, I don't wanna go, but I'm not all firing. There's some connections that are just not, I'm not receiving from the Father. I just need a bit of time. Just say that. And then when you get alone with the Father and you get some time to go for however you get some space, the biggest question is what lie or what lies do I believe about you? The reason why this is such an important question is we actually don't functionally always know what lies we're believing about the Father. And if we're meant to live from connection from Father God and bring and represent our connections in our relationships, then that's a really important question. And then this, the second key question is, when did I learn this lie? And you, you have to trust that you're in prayer. So if a memory comes to mind or an emotion comes to mind or you feel numb or all of a sudden you, you think of a song or something comes to your mind, trust that God is with you. Most of you, nine times out of 10, when you ask the question, when did I believe this lie? You will have a memory come to your mind. Your dad running down the, the hallway with, the, with his belt. Not understanding, just reacting. You'll have a memory. Something will come into your mind. And that's a really important thing that God is showing you. Uh, um, in, in, uh, in my study recently around brain, brain science, because, because we're learning so much now about brain science and how there's attachment part of your brain and the joy center of your brain and how your right brain connections. By the way, if you have trauma, parts of that ability, right brain ability to, to feel actually gets shut off. And so this is such an important moment because um, Jim Wilder, he, he made this comment once that actually just really changed the way I, I viewed prayer and, and what Jesus meant when he says, I've come to broke, bind up the brokenhearted. 
Um, he made this comment, and it's, and it's so biblical when you think about it. Psalm 139 says, uh, before a thought is on your head, oh Lord, you know it all together. We sang a song earlier, if, if it actually went on the live feed, um, God with us. So the idea is that in Psalm 139, it's telling you that there hasn't been a moment where God has not been with you. And what Jim Wilder pointed out is he said, if every moment you have in life doesn't have God's perspective on it, it's actually not a full completed memory and it's not actually real to reality. In other words, that moment where dad's running down the hallway, the father was there. And if he's taking you to that memory, he wants you to see the lie you believed in that memory. And he wants you to know that he actually has a perspective about that memory. And he wants you to ask him what that is. Because he was actually there. And he actually has a perspective about what was happening. And then you see in this moment, Jesus, Father, where, where were you in this memory? And that might be hard for some of you. What, is there anything that you want to say to me about this memory? Sometimes it's just showing you that he was there. Sometimes it's saying there was a lot of stuff going on with your dad. Sometimes Jesus will just pick you up. But then once you see the lie, we're called to live by the truth. John 17 says, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Once you get to the lie, you know that there's a truth about you in this moment that you need to receive from Father God. And oftentimes you'll ask him, what do you want me to do next? That's a really important question. And, and you'll hear something like this, forgive. But you won't be scared anymore when you see Father God. And something will be starting to heal because he heals the brokenhearted. And so then you begin to pray. So here's an example of prayer. I just, I just want to be a little practical here. So Father I choose to forgive my earthly father for teaching me the lie that I'm, a da- I'm damaged goods, I'm unlovable, unworthy. I'm not worth being protected. And I renounce the lie that I've, that I, that I've partnered with. I renounce it. I'm not going to partner with it anymore. And I want to hand to you the judgment I've made about me that, I'd agree, that I agreed with. That I am unlovable. That I'm, I'm not worth protecting. That I'm not important. That you shouldn't pay attention to me. I'm no longer going to put that over me. And I want to thank you that I'm actually your daughter. I want to thank you that I'm your son that you've called me, that I'm adopted. And then, you ask, and then you ask the Father, Father God, what is the truth about me? And, and you'll more than likely hear a truth that is the truth in the moment and a truth for you to now receive. Oftentimes a verse will come into your mind. So, so if, if you hear in that moment, so Father, I forgive him. Um, what's the truth? And you hear, you're, you, you're not alone anymore. 
And the lie he believed was, was I'm always going to be alone. And then you can ask God, what verse speaks to this truth? And then it'll come every time. You'll either get a parable or a verse, I will never leave you or forsake you. And you, that will shift a healing moment and you'll come into your marriage and you'll realize, wow, I've really wanted acceptance so much so that when I didn't, or, or attention or to feel important that I wasn't receiving because I believed the lie that I wasn't worth of receiving acceptance. So a lot of the pain actually is rooted from not receiving it from Father God. And now I've put that over you and, and I'm so frustrated with you, but it feels less. There's more to heal, isn't there, Father God? Yes. Cool. What you're doing in that moment is you're taking responsibility for you. And, and then what you need to do, and, and because you're a union and you're married, you have to actually share this with your spouse. The principle of scripture is that light, sin hides in the dark. And if you're one and you're just getting healing with you and Jesus in the forest and you're not releasing that hearing, so what you do is you go, hey, can I share something with you? Yes, of course. Um, man, I was with Father God today and he showed me, I actually believe the lie that, that, um, I'm not, I'm not accepted and, I, I'm, and I'm, I'll never be good enough. And, and I've actually put that over and you just share it. You share it because as that spouse is hearing you, they're seeing healing in your union. And until you bring into the light what you're learning and what God's bringing into the light, your marriage will just stay this separated, distant thing. So, so, Let me say it this way. Your marriage won't become one or have union if you keep your healing a secret. Because honor is something you show. Honor is to be practiced. Honor calls out the best in the other. Honor brings the healing into the relationship. Um, and so, so let me say, let me, let me, let me just close with this. There's, there's two pieces of homework for this sermon. Number one, first piece of homework is you got, if you haven't in a long time, you got to find space. You got to find space where you can get alone with God and not be afraid when you're alone. If you start praying to the Father and you feel afraid, that's the lie right away. You say, okay, I'm believing the lie that I'm afraid of you. Where did that start? When did that start? Or ask him, what is the lie? And you might hear him, you're not, I'm not approachable. Or I'll punish you, whatever. But you gotta get along with the Lord. Because so much of what you can't see and receive in here comes from the lens you bring to it. You can hear for others, oh, God is with you. He, is, he, he, will, he will overshadow you with his love. But if you've never been overshadowed and you've never had that truth come into your life to replace the lie, that you're worth being overshadowed. You'll never actually let your husband overshadow you or your wife speak into your life. All I'm saying is our connection really makes a huge difference and we have everything we need from our connection with the Trinity. Okay, so number one, get along with the Father and just go, Father, what lies do I believe about you? I don't wanna bring them into my marriage anymore. I'm done being the victim. I have no bad guys. 
my spouse is not a bad guy. What lies am I believing about you? Hmm. And then start, just start talking, start praying. Second piece of homework. Um, it's very more practical, and I, I, you know, I promised we would do this. So, um, in, in my study about brain science, again, the, the joy center is up here. You have the attachment center, which is the bottom base, which is actually the most first uh, primal part of your brain. Freud was wrong. We, don't, we don't actually don't live off fear or the, the, the desire for sex. We live on attachment. We're made for connection. And so it's interesting. In my studies around this, uh, did you know that the muscles around your eyes are actually where spontaneous joy show up first? So, so brain scientists tell us that it's not actually your smile. The first sign of I'm happy to be with you is your eyes. Eye smiling, they call it. So eye smiles are what happens when we are glad to be together and our eyes light up seeing the one we love. So eye, eye smiles engage the brain's joy center um, and nonverbal communication. It happens at a higher rap, rapid rate, 10 times more than words. So your eyes actually, you can actually, you can actually teach your brain to love your spouse. I know it sounds crazy, and I know we're body, soul, and spirit, so there's all of that going on. But if you were just to take brain science, you can practice eye smiling, and you're going to teach your right brain, I'm glad to be with you. And so, so, so here's, here's your homework. Just take two or three times a week, this week, put a three-minute timer on your phone, hold each other's hands, and you're going you're gonna to look at each other in the eyes, and you're going to practice eye smiling. Now, this is not a stare competition or a blinking competition, although that'd be fun, but it's meant to be an interactive joy sequence. Even if your marriage is rough right now, ask Jesus for the strength to just do this one. And then stare at each other. Don't stare. Eye smile for three minutes. If you're like, you need to take a break, take a look, and then go again. When the alarm goes off, share one of your favorite memories with your spouse. Okay, so three times in the week, three minutes, three memories, okay? Practice eye smiling. Uh, let me pray. And um, yeah, L listen, I know for many of you, some memories already started coming. And you feel panic, you feel walls. Uh, Let me pray for that, okay? So if that's you, I just want you to just put your hands out like this. I'm gonna pray over you. I'm gonna re release healing. And, um, and then I have no idea if we're live or not, but if we are, the bands will come up. If we're not, that's okay. So Father, now I just ask that those who are really struggling Their father has said some really horrible things. They're not sure of the hundreds of memories if they even can be healed. And that's not up to them. They can trust you with you. So I just pray now for healing to begin. And as they, they, as they trust you into the conversation with you about what lies they believe about you, that you want to heal and touch, that they don't need to figure it all out. They can trust your lead. You're a good father.
You are, we are who you say we are. We are chosen. We are accepted. We are worth being around. If there was only one of us on this planet, you still would have come. We are valuable. You love us with infinite perfection. You love our bodies. You love our minds. So I ask now that your healing would just begin. And I pray for courage. Would you give your saints, your sons and daughters, adoption? I pray we would live no longer as orphans because we're not. Give us courage in the name of Jesus. And I speak over the shore. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. In Jesus' name.